0: Welcome into a Thursday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing fantastic out there. The NFL Draft begins this evening and we are making our call or my call on where I think former Cougars will land in the draft, getting those out of the way early before you guys can say, well, that was an easy one to call, Jake. I know it's only the first round tonight, but I'm making the call across all seven rounds for this coming weekend. We also continue with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown, talking about 1930 for for the Cougars, a new decade, and a new record amount of games played for BYU during this season. We'll talk about that and, of course, catch you up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan here on a Thursday. It's all brought to you today by our title sponsor, Rock Auto. Go to rockauto.com. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car, truck, or SUV could ever need. Check them out at Auto com. Without further ado, let's dive on in, folks. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for April 29th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, Thank you again for taking some time to join us right here on your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. A lot to get to ahead on today's show, but a reminder for you guys that listening to this podcast is really simple to do. Obviously, make sure you hit that follow button wherever you're listening in from. Whichever podcast provider you're listening on, well, automatically, once you follow the show, it'll automatically populate in your podcast provider's feed. But another easy way to listen to the show is to use your voice. What I mean by that is many of us have a smart device. If you don't, I'd be surprised. Whether it's a smartphone, a smart speaker a myriad of different options for you guys all you have to do to listen to this show is tell your smart device play podcast locked on cougars and magically we'll be right there for you It's as simple as that, and I mean it sincerely. Give it a shot. I think it's a great resource, and modern technology is just an absolutely incredible marvel. The fact that I can record this show, post it on the internet, and you guys can hear it almost simultaneously, just incredible to me. But you know what? We're having a lot of fun along the way, and let's talk about the NFL draft. The first round begins tonight. We're expecting Zach Wilson's name to come off the board sometime in the first half hour of the broadcast as the number two overall pick to the New York Jets. I will uh, be surprised if he goes anywhere other than New York, quite quite literally will be stunned if he is not a New York Jet, but we'll wait and see what happens tonight. But I wanted to talk about where I think other guys are going to go, speaking of former BYU players, and make my call now and get it out there so that you guys can either both uh, celebrate my wins or more likely lambast me for my losses or the guys I miss on. So what we're going to do with this is I'm actually going to go off of a framework of an interesting mock draft I saw from NFL.com. Chad Reuter, one of the writers over there, did a great seven-round mock. And he actually has seven former BYU football players in his latest mock draft. And that's probably more than most people are thinking. If BYU does get seven players drafted, just on a note here, that'd be an absolutely incredible development. And it's a testament to what Kalani Sitake and his staff have done to really build this program into an NFL feeder program. They, they want to allow guys to go and have that opportunity to play in the pro ranks. Uh, in the past, guys like Bronco Bendenhall have been outspoken about how saying that the NFL lifestyle is tough for guys to live, especially if you're a member of the LDS faith, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You know what? That's only for a young man to decide, in my opinion, and I'm glad Kalani Sitake is doing a good job of building things out and letting his members of his program determine what their future is going to be. And to have seven guys potentially drafted would be Absolutely marvelous. So, for the purposes of this exercise, I'm actually going to compare and contrast where Mr. Reuter has BYU players going and where I think they're going to go. I think right off the top, the number two overall pick, Zach Wilson, to the New York Jets. Ooh, wow, going cool. way out on a limb there with that one. No, that one's an easy one. That's kind of like the, the the free spot in the bingo card. You can just kind of write that one pretty much in pen if you want to at this point. But then it gets more interesting after that. According to Mr. Reuter, he actually has Brady Christensen. Going in the second round, which isn't all that surprising. I, excuse me, third round, excuse me, third round number 98 overall pick, Brady Christensen, offensive lineman to the New Orleans Saints. I think that's actually a pretty savvy pick there. I would expect, I thought that Brady Christensen could slide into uh, the back half of the second round, but it will all depend on how big of an emphasis teams are putting on offensive tackle depth. This is a very rich draft in terms of offensive tackles, which could push Brady Christensen's stock down a little bit, but folks, what he did at his pro day is going to have NFL teams intrigued, and they probably got him higher on draft boards for most franchises than you might expect. So, do I expect him to go in the second round? No, but if there is a run on offensive tackles and a team feels like, man, we got to get in now, I could see him being picked in the back half of the second round, which would be absolutely marvelous. But I do think that Mr. Reuter is correct. Speaking of Chad Reuter, Third round seems like the right spot for Brady Christensen. Now, moving on here, Chad Reuter has one guy going in round five, and it's a bit of a stunner to me, Matt Bushman to the New York Jets, reuniting with Zach Wilson in his mock draft. To see Matt Bushman go in the fifth round would be absolutely insane to me. I think that Matt Bushman is more likely a seventh-round pick, and with that Achilles, I think an NFL team may think, okay, if we can pick him up as an undrafted free agent, we got to steal. But he is worthy, if he were healthy, of being a mid-round pick. I, there's no qualm in saying that from me. The issue is that Achilles injury, and I do wonder if that's going to slow him down. So I disagree with Chad Reuter in it being a fifth-round pick, but I would absolutely be all for uh, Matt Bushman going in the fifth round. I think it's more like he's a seventh-round pick, and that's just my personal opinion. Now, round six is where we have the most action here, according to Chad Reuter. He has Kairos Tonga going up the 206th overall pick to the Indianapolis Colts. I think the sixth round is probably a good spot for a guy like Kairos Tonga. Uh, I think if a team really did fall in love with his strength component, if they believe he can be a true run stuffer, I could see him maybe sneaking into the back half of the fifth round, but the sixth round seems like a pretty smart pick there. So I will not disagree with Chad Reuter on that. And then at number 214 overall, Chris Wilcox, a cornerback, going to the Green Bay Packers. This is higher than I would have Chris Wilcox, similar to Matt Bushman. The injury concerns are just too large for me to think that he's going to go any higher than the seventh round. Does Chris Wilcox have NFL length, athleticism, and skill? I think he does, but the injury concerns are what are going to affect him. Of the seven guys that Chad Reuter has here in his mock draft, I think that Chris Wilcox out of the seven is the most likely to be an undrafted free agent. That's just my personal opinion, and we'll see how things shake out. Then finally in round seven, Chad Reuter has Dax Milne going 237th overall to the Denver Broncos. I think this is too low for Dax. I think Dax is more likely to be a fifth-round pick. In my personal opinion, I could be dead wrong about that. Chad Reuter does this for a living. I happen to be an armchair analyst who has blue goggles on, if you will, and thinks that BYU players should go higher than maybe they actually will. But I think that Dax Milne really proved what he could do didn't necessarily have the greatest pro day, didn't run a very fast 40, but I truly believe that a 7th round pick would be a really low result for Dax Milne, but regardless I think he is excited just to be in the NFL and pursuing his professional dreams. And then finally the final pick that Chad Reuter has here is number 238 overall Chandon Herring on the offensive line going to the Dallas Cowboys. Chandon Herring is a very intriguing prospect. Great athleticism as, you, as we've noted on this podcast previously, he was on the freaks list that Bruce Feldman from The Athletic does every year, talking about the greatest athletic players in college football, regardless of position. Well, Chandon Herring is one of those. He is a dude who carries 300 pounds as if I carried 200 pounds on my frame, and he's six foot seven. He is truly a Viking. That was the nickname given to him by former BYU offensive line coach Eric Mateos, and I think it fits very aptly. I am surprised, though, that Chad Reuter did not have Tristan Hodge on this list. I'm seeing more and more uh, mock drafts out there that have Tristan Hodge being taken late in this draft. I think that one of the two, speaking of Chandon Herring and or Tristan Hodge, does get picked. The other ends up as an undrafted free agent. But if you're leaning just on the athleticism side of things, I absolutely agree that Chandon is probably the pick there. So I don't think we necessarily disagreed as much as we agreed, speaking of Chad Reuter and I on this, but I do to recap my th- picks. Zach 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 Wilson, first round, Brady Christensen, third round. I predict that Dax Milne will go in the fifth round. In the sixth round, I could see Kairos Tonga going off the board. And then in the seventh round, I see Chandon Herring or Tristan Hodge, Chris Wilcox, and or Matt Bushman. Maybe I'm being a little too harsh on this, but I think that the seventh round is where BYU players, these former Cougars, will make their hay. But if they can get seven, maybe eight guys drafted, that'd be an absolutely incredible draft overall. Anything over four guys, I think, would be considered a major success for BYU. So looking forward to it. Looking forward to the first round tonight, the second and third round tomorrow, and obviously if rounds four through seven on Saturday. Reminder for you guys to check out our live stream we'll be doing with the Draft Network. You can find live streaming. Yours truly will probably be on it early tonight talking about Zach Wilson. If you want to tune into the stream, I'll tweet out the link so you guys can tune into that. Also link it in the show notes as well. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we continue with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. A new decade is dawned for BYU, 1930. How did that season play out for BYU? I can tell you this much. A lot of draws and we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at rockauto.com. They are our title sponsor today. Rockauto.com, guys, is the place to go for anything you need for your vehicle. Whether it's an engine control module, a new blinker light like I had to get a couple weeks back, or you just need new carpet, or maybe even you need a new hood. No matter what it is, Rockauto.com has got the answer for you guys. Is the place to go to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers? Their catalog is unique and easily, remarkably easy to and navigate. Quickly see all of the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and even the prices that you prefer. Best of all, ro- prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend it up to twice as much for the same parts, guys? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all of the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in the how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that way they know that we sent you guys amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car, truck, or SUV could ever Folks, yesterday we talked about the breakthrough for the BYU football program in 1929 as they broke through for their first winning record as a college football program, going 5-3. and three. Well, today we're going to talk about 1930, the follow-up in G. Ott Romney's third season as BYU football's head coach. One notable thing about this season in particular, we need to get out of the way right off the top. This is the most games BYU has played to this point in their history. Last year, BYU played 12 total games. Can you imagine back in 1930 playing 11 games? Yes, the Cougars during the season played 11 total games and was actually quite the packed schedule. In the month of November alone, I'm looking at it, they played a grand total of five games that month. They played the entirety of the month of October, playing four games there. Just an absolutely stacked schedule. It looks more like a modern day schedule, sans the opponents. There's some no-namers out there that we'll talk about ahead, but... To play 11 games, especially with the travel required during this era as compared to this the modern day when you have BYU flying out of Provo Airport on charters and then returning directly after the game, it's a completely different era. So to play 11 games is a very impressive feat for the BYU football program during this era. But also important to, for BYU, it was also marked 1930 their highest finish in the conference standings. The Cougars this year overall won five games lost two and tied four. You heard that right four ties during this season amongst their 11 games that they played they did go 4-1-1 in conference play, finishing in third place behind conference powerhouses Utah and Colorado. The Utes they finished the season 8-0 7-0 in conference, Colorado 6-1 over, 6-1-1 over six overall, 5-1-1 in conference BYU just behind them with a 4-1-1 record in the Rocky Mountain Conference. Now let's run down how things played out for BYU here, and they started the season in Laramie, Wyoming against the Cowboys and won that game 19-12. So pretty decent start. Then they host Nevada in a return trip from the previous season when BYU opened the win, opened with the win over the Wolfpack in Reno. Well, they tied 6-6 there at BYU Stadium or Cougar Stadium in Provo. Following that, they went to Colorado Teachers, which is now known as Northern Colorado, and Greeley tied that game 7-7. So Three games into the year, BYU is 1-0-2 overall in the year. They follow that up with their annual rivalry game at the University of Utah at Ute Stadium in Salt Lake City. And once again, the Utes prevailed 24-7. It's very much a theme here, folks. For the first 20 years or so of this rivalry, BYU was on the losing end more often. Actually, no, they never actually won for 20 years. So I'm not even trying to say they were more often. No, they were the losers in this rivalry during this time. So after that loss, they went on two-game wins Streak. They beat Western State, obviously, the uh, conference whipping boy. They shut them out 25 to nothing. then got a second straight win over the Utah State Aggies. This game was once again played in Ogden, Utah. For some reason, they like to play these neutral site games, but it benefits BYU. They, lose, they win that game, excuse me, 39-14. Follow that up with a game at Mount St. Charles in Butte, Montana. I have no idea who Mount St. Charles ever was or is currently, but they tie that game 13 to 13 So, for those of you keeping track at home, BYU at this juncture has three wins. So, three wins, one loss and two, three ties, so 3-1-3. and three. They follow that visit to Mount St. Charles with a win over Montana State, the first win for Coach Romney over his former team, 19-6 in Provo. They go to Regis in Denver, Colorado, win that game 18-6, which marked their final win of the season. They finish out the season with back-to-back games on the road at College of Idaho in Boise, tying that game 13-13, and then made the long trip to... The University of Hawaii. Yes, the first trip in BYU history to the islands. As many of you probably remember fondly, during the WAC and Mountain West era, BYU seemingly went to Hawaii every single year. Well, their first trip ever came in 1930 on December 10th, and BYU summarily was crushed 49 49- to 13. Yes, they finish out the season with a loss, and overall, a 5-2-4 and four record, but still some standout things about this season. The record number of games played, 11 overall, also four ties. I don't think they'll ever be matched at any point in this rundown for BYU. In fact, I actually know it won't be matched. It's the most ties ever in BYU football history, if I'm not mistaken, but also the highest finish in the Rocky Mountain Conference, and I think this talked about kind of an ongoing trend of what we talked about the last two days. Coach Romney was a fantastic coach. He really got BYU going right from the get-go and really built a very good program in short order. We'll talk more about this. His best season ever is going to come up here in a few days, and it's actually one of the best seasons in BYU football history, period. So we will get to those in coming days, folks, but we do need to look back a little bit, and it's due to a a message being sent in from our good friend Paul T. McGuire. And Paul, first off, right off the top, thank you for sending this over. Paul sent me a note, and I'll read it here. It says, Jake, since you're doing a review of the 100 years of BYU football, I wanted to send you this article from 1980 by Marion Dunn. It's about my grandfather, Dick Thorne, and my uncle, Paul Thorne. Dick was the captain of the 1926 team, and Paul was the captain of the 1928 team, and they ended up playing together on the 1928 team, and there's an interesting story we'll get to here in just a moment, but let me explain a little bit how these two brothers ended up being team captains, but also playing together on the 1928 team. So, in uh, 1926, uh, Dick Thorne was the captain of BYU as a sophomore, and BYU had their biggest quote-unquote moral victory, according to this article, tying Utah State in 1926. We talked about that. Then in 1928, Paul returned from an LDS mission to Africa. Yes, he went on a mission to Africa, came back the first year that Coach Romney took over, and do you guys know that Paul's nickname on this team was Simba? because of his mission to Africa. That came from Coach G. Ott Romney, the nickname Simba. So that is why uh, Paul uh, Paul Thorne is now known as Simba Thorne. If you look at some of the historical records, I did not know this. This is an absolutely incredible uh, story. I'm going to take a picture of this uh, from... Our good friend Paul and tweeted out on our social media feeds. You guys can read this as well. But the interesting part of this whole thing is in 1928, as we mentioned, Paul was named team captain for BYU that year, and Dick Thorne was still on the team. Well, there is a story uh, about that game against Utah. We talked about it. Utah and BYU tied 0 0 well apparently there's some controversy here so BYU obviously got a breakthrough with that 0-0 tie against Utah but according uh, to Paul uh, aka Simba he actually allegedly believes that he scored the winning touchdown he said he crossed the goal line was covered in lime and in those days you marked the chalk lines with a powdery substance it's lime and it was all over his uniform but he was dragged backwards (laughs) He says uh, so here's the quote from the story from Marion Dunn quote we should have beaten Utah we were robbed of the wind Paul growled we were inside the one yard line and they called my number I was to hit the line between the right guard and center and everything went just right the hole was open and I went through it and across the goal line I got lime all over my jersey but Utah's star guard Willie Simpkins grabbed me by the feet and dragged me back outside the end zone and the referee said I never got across I have never forgiven him for that unquote wow controversy. Should BYU have had a win over Utah in 1928? They didn't get the first win until 1942 officially, but according to Paul Thorne, apparently there were some shenanigans going on. Can you imagine something like that happening in the modern day? Imagine what the rivalry would be like on social media. It would be absolutely incredible. So you know what? Paul McGuire, thank you for sending that over. Really cool to get some context on this, and it's just absolutely incredible to hear about that. I would have never gotten that story had you not sent it over, and a big thank you, Paul, for doing that. And if you guys have Resources that are available to you or stories about these teams, these early years of the BYU football program. I would love any and all help you guys can offer. I love reading this stuff. As I've said, this is just, it it really, it's exactly what I went to college for. And I work in sports radio. I get that. I didn't necessarily go to college to work in sports radio. It just happened to work out that way. But I studied history, and I love reading about this stuff, researching it. And your guys' help is also critical to this venture. So thank you to Paul McGuire. And congratulations to the 1930 team. Some notable numbers considering they went and played 11 games, had four ties, and, obviously finishing third in the conference, their highest finish to date. We'll talk about 1931 as we round out the week tomorrow, and obviously we'll continue on throughout the summer, counting down these seasons of BYU history. Some fun times ahead. I'm really, really enjoying this, and hope you guys enjoy it as well. Please send in your comments or questions as well. If you have them, email us, lockedonbyu at gmail.com, or send them via social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We are at LockedOnCougars. My personal Twitter feed is Jacob C. Hatch. Love hearing from you guys. your insights and your DMs, all that stuff, feel free to reach out Anytime. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll catch you guys up on everything else you need to know here on a Thursday as a BYU fan. We'll get to all of that. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Bet Online, folks. The Kentucky Derby is this weekend. We have the NFL draft ongoing. Well, if you want to bet on any of it, there's one place to go, and that's betonline.ag. Obviously, the baseball season is underway and in full swing. NBA action ongoing. Also, golf, MMA, UFC. No matter what it is you're interested in, Bet Online has it for you guys. So before the next first pitch, the start of your next contest you'd like to bet on, get to betonline.ag on your laptop or your mobile device and sign up for free. And also check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information available to you guys. You heard that right, a sign-up bonus. Well, guess what? We have a bonus for you. A 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code Locked On at betonline.ag when you make your first deposit. You heard that right. 50% of whatever you put in your account there at BetOnline will be added to to your account for free, courtesy of our friends at BetOnline. So take advantage of it now, guys. Sign up for free at BetOnline.ag. You can do it via your mobile browser or your desktop at home, your laptop, whatever it might be. Give it a shot. Get that 50% welcome bonus and get in on the action. And it is all courtesy of BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Alright friends, before we go here on a Thursday let's get you caught up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan right here Let's start off with men's volleyball Congratulations to head coach Sean Olmsted of the BYU Men's Volleyball Program the number two seed in the NCAA Tournament Well he's been named MPSF coach for the second straight year and the fourth time overall in his six years as the head coach of the BYU Men's Volleyball Program. Just an absolutely marvelous campaign once again and a well deserved honor for Coach Olmsted Congratulations to him. They'll be getting ready for the NCAA tournament that begins next week, May 6th through the 8th, in Columbus, Ohio. Alicia Mae Mateo, fresh off being named the Women's golfer of the Year by the West Coast Conference. She's been selected as an individual to play at the NCAA regionals. BYU as a team was not selected as an at-large team, again, an at-large berth into the tournament. That'll be taking place May 10th through the 12th at the Stanford Golf Club. So best of luck to Alicia me, and Mateo. Hopefully she'll have a great individual performance out there representing the BYU Women's Golf Program. Speaking of golf, BYU Men's Golf Opens play in the WCC Championships down in Henderson, Nevada today. That's taking place at Reflection Bay Golf Course. Best of luck to the Cougars as they play over the next three days down there in the greater Las Vegas area. Hopefully they can have a good showing. BYU Baseball also will be in action today. They open up a three-game series against St. Mary's at Miller Park, whether it's supposed to be Utterly fantastic this weekend for this time of year. If you want to get out and watch the Cougars at Miller Ballpark, there are a limited amount of tickets available. I'm not sure how many are still left, but go to BYUtickets.com and you can go out and watch the Cougars in action against the St. Mary's Gales. There'll also be a radio broadcast on the BYU Sports Network. Look forward to that. I think Greg Rebell will be on the call along with Tuckett Slate. If not, it'll be Jason Shepard. So best of luck to the Cougars in that regard. And then finally for you guys, we do now know. We'll talk about this more tomorrow. The BYU women's soccer, the number 12 seed in the NCAA tournament, will take on Virginia in their, uh, I guess what we'll call the second round matchup of the tournament. Uh, Virginia beat SIU Edwardsville 3-1 to advance to face the Cougars on Saturday afternoon. So there you go. You guys are up to speed on everything you need to know as a BYU fan here on a Thursday. I hope you all are doing fantastic out there wherever you might be. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you guys every single day talking about the Cougars. And I got tell you, it, it makes my day so much better when I hear from you guys. And Your guys' support has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, those of you listening to this, if there's a podcast episode that you have not heard this month or one recently that you missed, I want to encourage you guys to go listen to it. We are very close to a benchmark number that has not been accomplished in a single month between the Locked On Cougars podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, and your guys' support by listening to maybe one extra show today, if you can fit it in, would be absolutely incredible. We have an outside shot of making it there, but your guys' support would really help us out in that regard. So if you guys have the means to do so, the time to do so, please download an extra show or two if you've missed any recently and listen to it and help us out, reach that benchmark number. All right, that's going to do it for this Thursday. Hope you all having a great day whenever you hear this, and we will talk to you guys again tomorrow. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for April 29th, 2021. Enjoy the draft tonight, and we will talk to you guys soon.